Okay, let's start our discussion of Parsha Shmos, Tavshin Ayin Gimel, a new Sefer, Sefer Shmos, as we call it, Sefer Hasheni, as the Bahag calls it. We discussed a couple of years ago that the Bahag doesn't even give this Sefer a separate name. And then it's explained because this Sefer is really Bereshis Part 2. Bereshis Part 1, we had, but Bereshis Part 2, Chapter 2, is the Sefer that we start this week, and that is having to do with the creation and the birth of Klal Yisrael. So let's get into some of the issues related in Parshas and Sefer Shmos. Torah starts off in the Parsha, Ve'ela Shmos B'nei Yisrael, Haboim Mitzrayma. These are the names of Am Yisrael, or B'nei Yisrael, Haboim Mitzrayma, Es Yaakov, Ishu Ba'u. Now they are already B'nei Yisrael. We already now get the feeling, it's not even just literally B'nei Yisrael, the children of Yisrael, meaning Yaakov, but there is now a group, there is a unit, there is an Am leading into Paro being the first person to ever call B'nei Yisrael a nation. B'nei, a couple of psukim later, Vayomi says, Am B'nei Yisrael, Rav Menu. Okay, so let's get into some of the details of the Pasuk. First Pasuk. Again, these are the names of the Jews that came, or I should say, B'nai Yisrael, Haboy Mitzrayma, Eis Yaakov, Ish Uveisobau. Yaakov, him and his house came. And then it lists off the Shvatim. The question that is asked by the Chafetz Chaim is, what is the last phrase in the Pasuk teaching me? It says, these are the names of the B'nai Yisrael that came out to Mitzrayim, and go, go into the next Pasuk. Reuben, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda, V'chulu. What's the message of Es Yaakov, Ish Uveisobau? Says the Chafetz Chaim, starting us off tonight. Elo ba line three. It's to teach us. Shashvatim levadam lohayu maskimim lihigalos yachad es bnei beso lemitzrayim. The Shvatim wouldn't have gone themselves into Galus. Hamufursemes laervas haaretz bnei musav anagoseha. Mitzrayim, Egypt was famous for its vulgarity was famous for its Ervas Haaretz. So the Shvatim, yes, it was a famine. Yes, there was, there, was, there was a need. But what convinced them, what allowed them, what assured them that they would be able to go down and stay true to their, to their beliefs and their ideals? Mitzrayim is not a good place for a good Jewish boy or girl or to bring up a family. Even in Goshen it might be affected. So what assured them that they would be okay? Maybe they're going to become assimilated. Maybe they're going to be affected by the culture. What was their base? What was their safety net? If Yaakov goes with them, if Yaakov goes, then we'll be okay. As long as the Zayd is there, as long as Yaakov Avinu is at the helm, then the Shvatim say it's okay. We know, we want to stay strong, but as long as we know we have a leader, we have Yaakov Avinu, so then, then we're safer. That's the second half of this first Pasuk. Es Yaakov ish uveso ba'u shkiva shakam Yaakov since Yaakov went with them so they were batuach and they were sure that they would be okay kishchus aviyah v'hashpa'ato tamod lahem there always has to be that figure that leader that's going to lead the masses without that spiritual leader then there's a danger as the mission says in Perkiyavos have a goal of the makom Torah we should never say it's going to come after me. If we go to a place without leaders, without people to direct us to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it's very dangerous. And he even says in the bottom, we can, he discusses in the beginning of the, the 20th century, right? all of those that came to America and threw off their Yahadus. Says, says the Chavetz Chaim, part of the problem was they didn't have those Yaakov Avinus with them. They didn't go with the protection of the father figure to protect to to watch over them. No, we're going there to the to the new land. That was the problem. He's, he writes with many from that generation, and then he even quotes in the footnote and the Masil Lamela quotes the story. Kvishi Yadua towards the end of his life, the Chafetz Chaim wanted to make Aliyah, like many. Like the Vilna Gaon tried, he couldn't in the end, and the Chafetz Chaim himself wanted to go. And Rav Chaim Ozer, 
Zatzal, Hayam Mafsirbo. I also heard it from Chaman Wasserman also. They all said you can't leave. You're the, you're the Rashka Bahag. Right now, many people are called the Rashka Bahag, but he is really Rashka Bahag. Rabban shall call Bnei Hagola. The Chavetz Chaim was the head. He was the leader. He's going to leave. And they said you can't leave. Chaim Ozer said, Dachi Ezer. You can't. He was worried. We're worried that if you're not here, what's going to be? The Chavetz Chaim answered, I'm old. What do I do now anyway? It's not quoted here, but elsewhere it's quoted. He said, I left you Rabbi Elchanan. It's okay. That's, that's, that's a, a haskama from the Chavetz Chaim. Don't worry. I left you Rabbi Elchanan Wasserman. Says the uh, story here, though the Chavetz Chaim says, "What do I do? I don't speak at the at the conventions anymore. I'm 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 over a butel." Says Rav Chaim Moser to him, he says, "No, no, no." Rav Yisrael Salanter always used to say, "If the sab is at the head of the table, everybody still beha- still behaves with derech eretz. Whenever you have the the leader, you have the gadol, you have there." Everybody still controls themselves. Once the person is out there, once the Saba, once the rabbi, once whoever it is, they leave, then everything, um, everything, everything happens that is not supposed to happen. Says the Chafetz Chaim, Es Yaakov, Ishuvesa Ba'u, B'nai Yisrael felt safe as long as they knew that Yaakov Avinu was going with him. At least to start off. Right? He was only there for 17 years. But at least to start off, they were safe with him. Okay. So we have the beginning of Shibud Mitzrayim. Beginning of Shibud Mitzrayim. Paro, the Melachada says, we have to deal wisely, have an Malo, and eventually it reached the stage where he said, maybe it's based on his information that he received from his its Tagninim, that they have to throw the babies into the into the river. Well, first they tried to kill them, and then they were going to throw them in. Hashem says to the Miyaldos, the Jewish midwives, Asher Shem Ha'achas Shifra, V'Shem Hashenas Pua, Shifra and Pua. We've noted in the past why their na- real names aren't given. Different opinions of the Gemara, who they are. Rashi quotes one of the opinions, but the Ha'ara is made by many that there is no real name in Sefer Shmos until Moshe Rabbeinu. He's, he's the first name. His parents are mentioned, Ishmi Beis Levi, Veikach Bas Levi. The first name we have to hear about, besides the Shvatim, in Sefer Shmos, is Moshe Rabbein. That's the first name we have to hear. See, even here, Shifra and Pua, their real names aren't mentioned. So, the Mialdos, Vayomer, Paro instructs them, When you see the Jewish, the Jewish women on the birthing stool, in Benhu Vahamitenoto, kill all the boys. And the girls you can let live. Kill all the boys, says Paro. As we know, the midwives uh, listen to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Shifra and Pua, Yocheved and Miriam, according to what Rashi quotes, and they were Mechayeh the Yeladim. And Paro calls them and says, What are you doing? And they said, We can't, we can't help it. They're quick. Before we before we get there, the, the, the babies are alive, and they hear the baby crying, and then we can we do, we kill them. Okay, so the midwives save the day. Pasik chaf vayetav elokim lamialdos. So Hashem gave goodness to the mialdos as a reward, as a schar. He gave something good to them. Vayirev ha'am vayatzmu ma'od, and the nation got extremely great and multiplied. Vayehi pasik chaf aleph now. The Miyadot had Yerat Shamayim, so he gave them Batim. As we know, the Rashi, Batim is the allusion to Batim Kahuna and Leviya from Yocheved and Batim Malchus from Miriam. So this is the reward they got. They got Batim. As the Darki Musr. This was their reward. Read Pazachaf and Chafalaf. That seems to be a, a phrase that's stuck in that doesn't belong. Beginning of Pazachaf. Hashem gave good to them. What should be the next phrase? They gave good. He, they, he was good to them because they feared Hakadosh Baruch Hu, and He gave them the batim. But stuck in the middle is that Bnei Yisrael multiplied. What does that have to do with the beginning of Pasachaf and Pasachaf Aleph? 
It's, not, it's a non sequitur. It's right in the middle. Hashem wanted to be, give something to them, be native to them, because they feared him, so he gave them batim. But in the middle, we have the phrase, Vayirev ha'am vayatsmu ma'od. In the middle, we have B'nai Yisrael multiplied. Why does that have to be right there? That could be afterwards. It could be before. That because they were able to save the nation, the nation kept multiplying. That's the question. What is that phrase doing there? Says the Darke Musser, Rav Naiman. Source number two. V'yitachel omar pashut v'yitav alchem l'amyaldos v'yatava Hashem wanted to be good to them v'chulu he asked the question. Let's go to line seven. Aval im zachu liros be'enehem she'akadosh baruch hu barov chasadov hefiras machshavato shaloso rasha v'sochleitzaso v'sochleitzaso. The midwives saw and they realized that they had to follow the word of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. If Hashem would have promised them the reward immediately before they realized that Am Yisrael were going to be okay they wouldn't have been happy. And they wouldn't have accepted. And they wouldn't have been able to be makabel the Torah that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was giving them. Why? Because when we're talking about great people, when we're talking about a Yocheved, when we're talking about a Miriam, their feelings are first and foremost for the Am. If the Am is okay, so then I could think of myself. Says the... Darke Musser. V'tachas, hava nischakma lo pen yirbe nischayim v'yarev ha'am v'yatzma ma'od. HaKadosh Baruch wanted to give them something, but he knew that they wouldn't accept something psychologically or in any level, on any level if they wouldn't see that Am Yisrael were doing okay at that point. So first it says, Hashem wanted to do something good. So what does it say? V'yarev ha'am v'yatzma ma'od. Zuha tava ha'ikariche hitivi ma'en Hashem. Their goodness is first being good to the Am. V'rak achar kach. Kishahutav matzav ha'am kulo. Only once the Jewish people, the entire nation, they were able to handle the decrees. Yachlam yaldos lahargish esh ha'atava b'chayim. Then they could feel it. V'yas lahem batim. If Hashem would have given them the batim, they wouldn't have felt it. They wouldn't have appreciated it. It wouldn't have been a bracha for them. Because how could I be happy when the rest of the Am is b'tzaris? Mikan line eleven. Sheish hamaala mikabel sipuk nafshi malay. A royal person, a person that we're supposed to be like, only feels a full soul. Ach virach betova shemagia lizulaso vikoshkin lakal kulo. I first feel for the am. I feel for my people. If my people are happy, if my nation is in a good state then I could feel and be in a good state as well. Even if I, if I personally have something great that happens to me, I, can't, I don't feel it fully. If everyone around me, if the nation is Bitsaris. And he says, Rahman al-Islan, he says, you think about the last, he was talking a number of years ago, the last century that we were in. During the Tsaris of the Shoah. At that time, even a little bit afterwards, or even after. How could we fully be in a state of Simcha? This is what the, what the Takanis that were made after the Chorban Abayas. How could we be in a state of simcha when the tzibur does not have what they need? And therefore, says the Darkei Musar, the message is, before our personal feelings, our first feelings have to be for the, have to be for the cloud. And he even says, if something happens, Yaduwa Hadavar, just relating to the mashal that he was just giving about the, about the Chorb in Europa, when there are four brothers living together, and one or two, one or two of them pass on. Then whoever's left become even closer, says the Darki Musar, after what we went through in World War II, as a nation, each one of us, each one of us is Sheiris HaPleta, whether it's our parents, our grandparents, our great uncles, 
Whoever it is, we will left. And what happens when there's a tragedy and only part of the family is left? They need to get closer. They need to be even more unified. The Sri de Hapleta, that's what we have to feel, says the Darke Musser. Yet the, the, the tragedy, that specific one, is finished. But the left, well, who's left, we who are all left have to feel as one. But we have to feel first and foremost, says the Darke Musser, the feelings of the nation. And that even quotes, second of Yisrael Salanter in a row, Yisrael Salanter used to wake up in the morning on line 23, when the sun rose in the morning, he was ecstatic. He was dancing in the streets. Look at the sun. It's unbelievable. There's light. There's warmth. It's amazing. Look what HaKadosh Baruch Hu does for us. And the question is, why aren't we so happy? Why aren't we like if you saw Salanta, every time we wake up in the morning and the sun and the warmth and it's another morning, we're not celebrating. I'm like, okay, it's, it's, okay, it's not raining today. What's the weather? What do I need to wear? I'm focusing on myself. I'm not focusing on, on Kodesh Baruch Hu, you're, you're amazing. Why not? What did Rabbi Sorol Salanter feel that we don't feel? Second to last line, he quotes from his Rebbe, Rav Rosenstein, Lama Einonu Margishim. I saw Osher Lamara Hashemesh Vachotva Shemayim. Why don't we feel it? Like Rabbi Sorol Salanter felt it. Mikivan Sha Yetzer Leib Haadam. Rahu. Vuhu Yachu Lahargish Tam Ba Osher Ba Osher. Rak Bedavar Shakol Haanosh Shalohi. When do we feel something special and ecstatic? When we're macabre something. Personally. When the whole world gets something? So I'm included in the other millions. That's them also. So what does that make me so happy? Rabbi Yisrael Salanter saw everybody else like him. He put everybody else first. Like Miriam and Yocheved. He was ecstatic. Imagine if something happens to my family. My family, an unbelievable bracha comes out to my family. I'm going to be very emotional and, and besimcha. So the whole world, the whole, the whole Am Yisrael was Yisrael Salanter's family. That's how we felt. The whole Am Yisrael was his family. So he's going to be ecstatic. Look what a Kodesh Baruch gives my family. We just don't look at each other as family as much as we should. And that's why we don't have as much simcha. Yisrael Salanter Sha'av is Adam. Ava Aza Kagufo Bikamocha Mamish Hayoyochola Hargish Esha Osher the Osher right the happiness and the riches Al Hateva Afsha Achirim Gamkim Nani Mizeh Even though others also are Nana Kamosha Haava Neman Eno Margishumkiya Bikinyan of Hapratiim Kishapan of Gamkin Emirhusha If children get something then parents aren't jealous Ainad the Miskani Bibnova Tamido as I'll say. There's no jealousy to his for students or for children. Why? Because it's an extension of me. So if the entire Am Yisrael is an extension of each of us, then we're going to have tremendous simcha when there's a bracha that occurs to Am Yisrael. That's why, says the Dark Musar, this Pasuk is stuck in there. Hashem wanted to give something good to the Mialdos. First, he has to give something good to the nation. Because only then will they, will they feel it. First, it says, they became very great. And then, only after that, vayaas lohem bati. Good. One small ha'ara. Just a ha'ara. As we know, the parsha starts off with shibud mitzrayim, but as the parsha continues, we start feeling geulas mitzrayim. Moshe Rabbeinu by the sneh. At what moment? Which words in the Torah are the transition points? What's the transition in the Torah that we're going from Shibud to the beginning of Geula? That's where Salvation's question. What's the tipping point? What's the transition moment? So let's see. Moshe Rabbeinu and the Snad, that's definitely Geula process. So that's the beginning of Paragimel. What's right before that? Right, Parag Bays is Moshe Rabbeinu going, uh, going out, killing the Mitzri. That's all still Shibud. The Geula didn't start yet. So what is the... And he runs to Midian. But where's the Geula? Says Rav Salvechik, let's look at the end of Parag Bays. <speaking in Hebrew> 
Their cries went up to Hashem. Anything happened yet? No, just said they're still describing their cries. This is starting it. Something's happening. Hashem hears their cries. He didn't do anything yet. He hears their cries. Vayizkar Elohim es briso es Abraham es Yitzchak ve es Yaakov. He remembers Zchus Avos. Vayar Elohim es bnei Yisrael. Vayeda Elohim. Two words. Vayeda Elohim. Those two words are the turning point for the story. Says Rav Salvechik. There's only one source number four. This is in a sefer on Kinos. There's only one time in the entire Torah where the concept of Hester Panim is mentioned explicitly. That's at the end of the Torah in Parshas Vayelach, Vanochi Hastir Hastir Panai Bayomahu. As a result of the Hester Panim, says Rav Salvechik, the hiding of the face, you will be consumed. And the Gemara discusses the state where God does not distinguish between the righteous and the wicked. This is Hester Panim. There is no doubt, says Rav Salvechik, that the Holocaust, the Churban in Eastern Europe, was Hester Panim. It wasn't just an Onesh, but it was God Kaviyachal turning his back. It was the worst kind of punishment. Silukashkacha, where Hakadosh Baruch Hu turns his back, as it were, on the people. He looked away. Now let's talk about Mitzrayim. For the many years the Jews spent in Egypt before Moshe came, remember there are many years that we don't know about. Right, we know according to Chazal, 210 years, but all those years are not meant, there are very few psukim, beginning of Parshish Mos, that's it. And then we get to the Makas already, it's the last year. But all those years were somewhere bef- between the end of Rashis and the beginning of, of Shmos. So many years there, the Jews there were confronted by Hester Panim. When was the first time that Hester Panim was removed? That the stage of the drama in Egypt was completed? When did we go from Shebud to Geula? The psukim that we just quoted, Batal Shavasam, Bechulu, Vayeda Elohim. Vayeda Elohim is the opposite of Hester Panim. Vayeda Hashem focuses. Hester Panim turns his back. Kaviyachol. Vayeda Elohim Hashem focuses on his people. Gadosh Baruch Hu knew before this too. But when the, Hashem knew what was going on, but when the Torah says Vayeda Elohim, it means there was no longer Hester Panim. And the very moment there's no Hester Panim any longer, that is Aschalta Digaula. The beginning of the redemption, Hester Panim turns into Vayeda Elohim. That is the transition moment in time. When everything is, is getting to the, to the lowest point, and then the Geula starts. So now, we start talking about Geulas Mitzrayim, and not just Sheba Mitzrayim. Perak Dalit starts off. Perak Gimel, we've spoken about in the past. Moshe with the snap. Moshe Rabbeinu bargaining with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He does not want to go. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, you're going, and I'm going to give you a couple of signs. Vayan Moshe Vayomer. They're not going to listen to me. They're not going to believe me. Velo Yishmu Bakoli. lo Hashem. Hashem gives him three signs. Three osos to perform for Klal Yisrael. Or not only for Klal Yisrael, for himself. You have a staff, throw your staff, throw your stick on the floor, it will become a nachash. Moshe runs away. Grab its tail. He holds the tail, turns back into a stick. This is the sign. That's a pretty amazing sign. Why Davka that sign? Rashi fills us in a little bit. But that's one sign. But Hashem says, it might not be enough. Let me give you another. Moshe doesn't ask for another one. It seems like Moshe already got the, got the message. He was pretty scared with the snake. But Hashem continues. Put your hand into your into your robe. He puts his hand in. He takes it out. He has saras. Hashem says, "Put it back in." He brings it out, and his flesh is healed. What do we need the second sign for? Moshe didn't ask for it. 
First time wasn't good enough. Why the second one? Vahayan Hashem says, as if to make sure that, you know, everything's covered. In lo yaminu lach, v'lo yisrael kolos harishon, v'aminu kolos ha'achron. You have the second sign. And then Hashem doesn't stop there. They don't believe the two signs? I got a third one. You go take the water from the Ya'ar and change it to blood. So that sign, that's the only one that's not done here. Hashem tells Moshe, you know, these two signs, you know, they're pretty good signs, but if not, go take some water from the Ya'ar, you pick it up, it'll change it to blood. And Moshe still complains, I'm not in Nishtavarim, Vichulu. Why the need for three signs? Many Mepharshim discuss this, the Klayakar and others. What's the message of the three signs? Says the Nachlas Yaakov. Nachlas Yaakov is the, the commentary of the Nesivos on Allah Torah, Nesivos on Choshim Mishpat, and others. Says the Nesivos, why the three signs? Source 5. Nero Litin Tam Osan Ashalosh Osos. Kvar Kasafti, I already wrote one pshad in my Haggadah, my Sinisim. Now I'm going to say something else. Vigam Liyashiv Kalakushios. Sha'amar Lo Bashalosh Osos. Says the Nachos Yaakov, each sign was parallel and countering a different claim that Moshe Rabbeinu said. A different excuse that Moshe Rabbeinu was presenting to Hashem. And Hashem gave him three signs to counter those three claims. Right, the main, the first claim, are they, are they, do they merit? After all, why did Moshe have to run away from Israel Because of fellow Jews. First complaint, Hashem says, are they worthy? They're so low. They're, they, they, they're Baalei Lashon Hara. Kodesh Baruch Hu gives him the first sign. There's a mate. There's a mate elokim. This mate moshe that you have, which is such a holy mate, throw it to the ground. It becomes a nachash, the most sinister symbol in all the animal kingdom. A nachash, the source of all sin. You can have a mate of kedusha. And it could change. It could, it could become so low, but inherently, it's still a matzah kedusha. Moshe, don't give up on my people. They might look very low, but there's still a matzah kedusha. They still have that pintle yid in them. They've been thrown to the ground. They've been meshubed. They're like a mate that was thrown. They turned into nechash, the, the level of a nachash. Because, and they're like a diltorin. Because they've been pushed down and they're subjugated. Moshe, pick them up by the tail. Pick it up by the tail. Why? What's the tail? Pirish. The, the tail is the lowest part of the snake. Also, it's the back of the snake. That symbolizes lowliness. Grab them even when they're low. Grab them from the tail. And you'll see the moment you start, it's going to switch. They're going to switch out of it. They're going to become that Mata Elokim again. Once they realize what's happening, they're going to have the Amuna. They're going to start going up the 49 levels of Kedusha. Os one, Moshe says they don't deserve it. They're like they're lowly. Hashem says they're only lowly because they were thrown down. Like you throw this down and it becomes a nachash. But you pick it up, they're going to come right back up and become the mata elokim. First sign. Next sign. What did Moshe say? What's the next point Moshe said? Masha Moshe Amar Mianochi Kiyosi Esbene Yisrael. Moshe keeps trying to refuse to be the helper of Hashem. And Hashem finally gets angry at Moshe. If Hashem wants to use us to save Am Yisrael, it's enough already. Accept. Accept what HaKadosh Baruch wants us to do. In the second sign, says the Nachlas Yaakov, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is showing Moshe his displeasure in all the refusals 
of Moshe Rabbeinu. Havena yadcha bechekecha, ki ze yadua, ki misha matminu master atzmo, milo hoshiyas Yisrael, shechayev onesh, if somebody tries to hide from saving, when a Baruch has salvation on his mind, there's no way out. Right, maybe Yonah also tries to run away in a parallel. But if you try to hide, you're going to get punished. What does Hashem tell Moshe? Why did Hashem just make Moshe's hand get saras? Right, why do you have to put it in his robe and then take it out again? Hashem could have, got, could have just gone, zap, saras, zap, no saras. No, what did Hashem do? He doesn't formulate it like this. This is what he's asking. He made him go behind. Moshe, you're trying to hide. You're trying to get out of your destiny and the destiny of Am Yisrael. If you try to hide, you're going to get saras. You're going to get ne'enash. You're hiding. You can't hide, Moshe. He tells Moshe to hide his hand as if to give him the message. If you're hiding, that's not what I need right now. I need the leader that you could be to step up to the plate, to be open, to stand up in front of Am Yisrael. That's the second sign. And then finally, and he's Medaik in the Psukim. But then the third sign, Moshe says, the Acherkach, skipping down to 33, Herolo, Moshe. Here he says, even to the thoughts of Moshe, it's not in the Psukim, Moshe was nervous. But how are they going to believe me if the, they're gods of the Egyptians? The Medrash says, they're also the Avodah How are B'nai Yisrael going to be weaned away from being over the Avodah from being, from realizing that the gods of the Egyptians do, are, are powerless? Hashem says, Moshe, take what they worship, the Yaor, the water source, and turn it into blood. It's nothing. Shehu aya Elohei Mitzrayim, Elohei Mitzrayim, it should be. So he says, And that's why, by the way, another question, why didn't Hashem tell Moshe to get water? Just get water from a well and change it into blood. Why do you have to say, no, go to the Yaor? So every little sign, if you want to give this over at the Shabbos table, you could ask the questions. Why did Moshe have to put his hand in? Why couldn't Hashem just zap him with saras? Why did Hashem have to tell him, when he get to the Yaor, you change it into water? Why didn't he just say, whatever water you pick up, it's going to change it to blood? Each sign, there's a message, because the message is not dafka water. It's the Yaor, the God of Egypt. You're going to change. So Moshe, don't worry. They are deserving. You have to step up to the plate, and their gods are powerless. That's a Nachlas Yaakov. The three different signs, Keneged, the th- three different Tainas of Moshe Rabbi. Good. So Moshe finally, not even finally, before the finally, even after the signs, he still doesn't want to do it. Still doesn't want to do it. And what does he say before Hashem finally gets angry? Pasuk Yud Gimel. Moshe says, Lo ish dvarim anochi, I have a speech impediment. Misa, Hashem says, who gave you that speech impediment? Right? Vata, let go. Don't worry about it. Finally, he says in Pasuk Yud Gimel, send, Hashem, do me a favor, send in the hand of who you're going to send with. Very unclear Pasuk. Moshe says, Hashem, just send already with somebody else. Send in the hand of who you're going to send with. Four Pshatim. Two in Rashi, one in Unkelis, and one in the Ramban. And that's not even all the Pshatim. The Medrash has on a fifth. We've spoken about that a couple of years ago. The, the one that we're not going to do this year, and that is Moshe is referring to Elio Anavi. Why don't you, Elio, meaning Moshe wanted to skip all the years of Golas. If there's going to be a Geula, bring the final Geula, not mine. Mine's not going to be permanent. It's the Medrash, but that's, that's a fifth one. But the Ramban summarizes, he quotes all four. Two in Rashi, one in Unkelis, and one the Ramban himself gives. Let's see what those four pshatim are. Shlach no biatishlach. Hashem, do me a favor. Send with who? What does biatishlach mean? First pshat in Rashi. It's quoted in the Ramban in Source 6. Biad mi sha'ataragil shloach. 
Vehu Aaron. Hashem, why me? I'm the younger brother. Send with Aaron. Aaron's a Navi. You've been sent, you've been talking to Aaron longer than you've been talking to me. Shlach Tishloch. Let Aaron be the leader. One shot of Rashi. Second shot. Dover Acher. Biyad Acher Shetirza Lishloach. Send with somebody else. Why? She'ain sofi lahachnisan la'aretz. Folios goalim la'asid. Moshe already has Ruach HaKodesh. I'm not going to finish the job anyway. Send with somebody who's going to finish the job. I'm not going into Eretz Yisrael. Let somebody who's going to do the whole thing. Why should I start it? I should put in all this hard work. Or maybe, you know, let somebody get have, have the Mesiris Nefesh and reach the, reach the goal. Boche says, I'm not going in anyway. Let somebody else do it from start to finish. Number two. Third shot. Onkelis. And we need the Ramban to explain Onkelis. Onkelis says, Biyad Tishlach, Biyad Man de Kosher de Tishlach. Send in the hand of someone who you're able, who is an able person to send with. Meaning, Moshe is saying, Send with somebody who doesn't have the impediments that I have. Yomar, Shlachna Biyad Adam Medaber Tzachus. Why don't you send a great orator? You need somebody to rally the troops. Whatever it was, was it a stutter? Was it a lisp? Moses says, I don't speak clearly. That's what he explains Unkelis to mean. Imagine, you send somebody to Paro. They can't even speak properly. Paro's going to laugh at them. Just, it's better for the Jewish people. Hashem, why are you doing this? Hashem, it's a bad reflection on you. I'm the Shliach Hashem, and I don't speak properly? Kodesh Baruch send somebody else. A ha'ara on this answer. I don't know if I mentioned this in the past, or by Franz writes in one of his, uh, one of his books. He quotes this medrash, this, uh, this idea of Unkelis, that Moshe had the speech impediment. Simple question. Why didn't Hashem say, okay, no more speech impediment? Why didn't? Moshe says, but I have a speech impediment. Hashem says, okay, you're healed. No, Hashem said, no, you're going to go with the speech impediment anyway, and I'm gonna, it's going to work anyway. Why didn't Hashem just heal him? Why not? What, so we, the, the Rishonim deal with the question of why Dafka Moshe had to have the speech impediment. So that people would listen to the content of what he said and he wouldn't convince them just because of his oratorical skills. The Drushas Haran writes that. Rabbi Friend in this article says the message is that this could be used at any, any public function. Nobody should ever say, well, I can't get involved in that Sorech of the Tzibur because I have this issue and I have this problem. I'm not the right man or woman for the job because I'm not perfect. And I have this problem and that problem. You know what Moshe Rabbeinu teaches us? The Kodesh Baruch Hu says, I'm not healing you and you're going to do it anyway. And you're going to be the greatest leader the Jewish people ever had to show that forevermore, people who are Osik Baselchei Tzibur, they don't have to be perfect. They just have to have their heart in it. They just have to want to do it. And they want to have to, they want to have, they want, they must have the Ratzon to succeed and to lead. They don't have to be perfect because Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't perfect. He couldn't even speak properly. But he was the greatest leader we have ever had. Kodesh Baruch Hu Dafka didn't heal Moshe Rabbeinu so that we wouldn't have the excuse, well, we're not, I'm not a Moshe Rabbeinu. I'm not the, no, what do you mean I'm Moshe Rabbeinu? Look what Moshe Rabbeinu had and he overcame. Third, third shot of Shlach Nabiyat Tishlach. And then we have the fourth idea. Vahanachon Beinai, the Ramban's own pshat. Vanachon be'enai shlachna biyar kolasher tishlach. Hashem, and this is the Ramban Pashas, he's saying what he thinks is the pshat. Stand with whoever you want. Listen to this line of the Ramban. Ki ein adam ba'olam shalo yehei hagun yoser mimeni l'shlichus. There is nobody in the world that is less the man for the job. 
Meaning, I'm the worst guy, says Moshe. There's no, everybody is better than me. That's a pretty amazing statement. Moshe really thinks he's the worst. Ain Adam Ba'olam. That's not more Hagun than me. Why did Moshe say that? Vahasibala Moshe, Bakola Sarvanus, Hazos, Anavuso, Hagdola, Mikala Adam, Rashal Pnei Hadama. The unbelievable humility that Moshe Rabbeinu exhibits here. Hashem, anybody you'd pick would be greater than me. How can Moshe say that? Anybody in the world is greater than me? Does Moshe really believe that? Says Rav Chaim Ivalazhin in the Ruach Chaim in his commentary on Pirkei Avos in source number 7. To answer our question, the answer is yes, he really believes that. Because what is true anava? What is true humility? Not just, says Rav Chaim Ivalazhin, that I get insulted and I hold back and I don't insult back. That's not true anava. That's a, that's a, that's a great level of ne'ela ve'eno olev. But it's not true anava, says Rav Rachaim. V'ne'egra anava lo levad ma'asha ha'adam sarich la'kabel alav elbonos v'savlanus v'chadome. Ki yem gam bilavavo yachshov she'eno nechshav l'klum. Negar ha'pachl she'ba'anashim. You know what true anava is? True anava means that I look around at other people in life and I hold myself lower than them. You know why? Or at least not higher than them. Because it doesn't matter what a person accomplishes in life. It matters if they've used all the kochos Hashem has given them to the utmost and fulfill their potential fully. A person can be an amazing lamdan and no shahs backwards and forwards. But you know what? Maybe Hashem gave him the koach to learn it even more and better. And somebody who could barely open, read Aleph Bays, maybe Akhanis Barakul gave him co-host or her co-host to do something else to accomplish in life. Who am I? How do I know whether I have fulfilled my potential in life? How do I know whether the other person is fulfilling their potential in life? That's true anava. When I'm always focused on myself, saying maybe I have to do more, who knows? Maybe they're fulfilling their potential and I'm not. So deep, deep down, I really don't hold myself higher than anybody else. I can feel good about myself. I'm happy what I'm doing. But I always have to think about, you know, maybe there's more I could do. Says Rav Chaim Yivalajin. And he quotes our Ramban. Line four. Ulai lefi sikhlo utchuna. So maybe based on his own intellect, lo amalod. Maybe I didn't do, push myself as much as I could. Vahapachoshe banashem. And this lowly guy, lefi sikhlo utchuna. So based on his own abilities, ulai amal harba yoser. Vizkashem imalato yosimidai. Maybe he's done, he does it all. So says the Ruach and that was Moshe Rabbeinu. He really felt, okay, he knew he was, he did wonderful things in life. But maybe HaKadosh Baruch gave him even more potential and he gave other people less potential and they have fulfilled their potential and therefore everybody in the world might be greater than me. Says Rav Chaim Yivalajan, Ki kol anava hu shalo yachzik as atzmo shebalamidas anava. And true anava means that I don't realize that I'm an anav. The second that I think I'm a pretty humble guy, that's a problem. Because then I'm focusing on like Myself, and that's not humility. It has to be a true, it, and it's an it's a it's like an impossible level, but it's a Moshe Rabbeinu level. He really felt inside, not just a fake that oh I'm going to keep quiet, I'm going to stay out of the limelight, like we usually associate it with humility. Go in the back row, be self-effacing. He really felt it. If I think I'm great, but I'm just being an anav, kvayatsa migeder anava. That's not an anava. That's not anava. Klaus Dover, I have to realize that I'm, you know, I, I always have a lot more to work on and maybe other people don't. And, says Rechaim Yivalajin, it's something that we could daven for and we daven for three times a day. Skip to the bottom. Venire, she'alze hispalo mar dravina. This is what the Gemara Brachas tells us. Elokai Nitzar. What do we say? Venafshi ke'ofar lakol tihiyeh. My soul should be like dust for everybody. Through that true anava, then psach libi then I can get true Torah and I can reach my, I can reach my potential. But that is something, says Rechaim Yivalajin, that's the fourth pshat of the Ramban. 
that Moshe Rabbeinu really said anybody else would be more ra'ui than me. He really felt that Baruch Hu says, that just proves my point. You're the one that I want. Good. couple more points. Two more points, really. Two more issues for the evening. Both related to probably the, the most difficult parsha section of the Torah to focus on what exactly is happening. And that is, we'll focus on a detail first, and then we'll talk about the general structure of Sefer Shmos. But as we know, after Moshe Rabbeinu is finally convinced, his arm is twisted, he goes back to his father-in-law and says, I gotta go. And he takes his wife and kids. And what happens? Hashem says, go to Paro, call Mar Hashem, b'ni b'chari Yisrael, v'omar elecha shalach hasemi v'yavdeni. You're going to tell Paro this. Wonderful. What happens? Chapasach chavdalin. Three psukim. Vahi baderech b'malon. We never really focused on these psukim. Vahi baderech b'malon. Moshe was on the way. Seemingly on the way to Mitzrayim. Vayif gesheyu Hashem. Hashem meets him. And he's about to kill him. takes a rock. She does brismila. She throws the RL, the foreskin at his feet. You almost killed my husband. Very enigmatic, difficult psukim. So we're just going to focus on one detail. It's amazing. If you look at Rashi, if you have to read it slowly to, to see what Rashi's doing here. If we look at Rashi, according to Rashi, there are three different subjects in this Pasuk. Three subjects. Three phrases talking about three different entities. Who's that about? He was on the Derek Bam alone. Rashi knows it's a confusing Pasuk. So Rashi says one word, Moshe. Moshe was on the Derek. Next Pasuk. Next phrase. Hashem. That's the only one that it says explicitly who was talking about. Hashem meets him. Who's that? Rashi has been the word. Hamalach. So Moshe's on the way. Hashem meets him. And the Malach's about to kill him. Three different phrases Rashi says. Why? Because he wasn't Malas Eliezer Beno, which, by the way, is a machlokis in the Medrash. Which son didn't he mal? Okay. Either way, these are the three. One little question, but it's going to open up an amazing idea to us. What's Hashem doing there? Rashi said specifically that it wasn't Hashem that wanted to kill Moshe. It was the Malachai Chavala. Moshe was on the way. Hashem came, and the Malach tried to kill him. What did Hashem do? Hashem didn't say anything. Hashem just comes. Nothing is said, nothing's commanded. The Pazak just says, Vayif you Hashem. What what he what he come for? Rashi's silent on that part of it. Because Rashi's just Rashi's just interested in telling us the subjects. What did Hashem come to there come there for? Moshe was on the derech, Vayif Kesheyu Hashem, Vayivakesha Miso. Says the Svarno. Vayif you Hashem, source number eight. Today was the day of brismila, of one of Moshe's sons. Hashem comes to every brismila. A brismila is a covenant between two parties. Between the Jew and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Hashem came to be at the brismila. Vayifkisheyu Hashem. Kara yomilas beno. Asher bo tishre shechina lamod bebris. Ke'inyanimoluito. That's why Hashem came. There's a bris. Hashem's there. And the Svarno adds, Ve'ulai, Zos, Hisibas Haminhag, Lahachin Kisei Kavid, Bemakim Hamila. We know there's a minhag of Kisei Shel Eliyahu. Why does Eliyahu come? So, we've mentioned in the past that Eliyahu Navi, the Pirkei Drabalazar, that I gave you in source number 12, that Eliyahu Navi, when he spoke to Akadosh Baruch Hu, and he was very upset about Am Yisrael. He says, they don't keep your covenant, God. Hashem says, you don't think so? You will be forced to go to every bris for the rest of history. And you'll see that they keep my covenant. So that's the Pirkei Jerobolazar. Says the Svarno, a very different idea. You know why Eliyahu Navi comes to every bris? As a shliach of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. 
HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it's as if he comes to every bris. Hashroas Hashchina. Why? Because when you have a bris, a covenant is between two parties. So there's the Jew there. HaKadosh Baruch Hu comes. Right? He doesn't even call it Kisei Hashel Eliyahu. And Kisei covered B'makam Hamila. And that's why, you know what? You put the baby down on, the, on that Kisei. To have to have a Hashras Hashchina on the Kisei. The Svarno says the same exact idea in the beginning of Parshas Vayera. Also, first Pasik, Vayera Elav Hashem Be'elonei Mamre. Hashem appeared to Abraham. The Mepharshim will ask. He didn't say anything. He just appeared to him. Chazal say he was doing Biker Cholim. You know why he came? Because Avram just had a brismila. Kisham Nimol Avram Oz, source 10. V'chol Beso Nimolo Ito. Shom Hofia Hakel Yisbarach. Shechina So Lamod Bebris. Hashem came. Because there's a bris mila, I'm there. Kamishpat L'chol Karse Bris. Whenever there's a bris, the two parties are there. V'nira La'avram Sh'yemuchan Mikulam L'osa Hamara. V'chein, and he quotes there in Vayera. V'chein Inyan Vayifkesheyu Hashem. Vayifkesheyu Hashem is the same thing as Vayera Elav Hashem. Be'lonei Mamrei. Hashem did not tell Avram anything. Hashem did not tell Moshe anything. He just came because of the bris. Just like Shabbos. Right? That's, it's, a, it's a breed. Hashem comes every Shabbos. Right? Kabbalah Shabbos. We're Makabal Shabbos. We're Makabal the Shrina. Because the Kaddish Baruch Hu comes because it's a bris. This is also, this idea of the Svarno is used by the Sri Deish, doesn't quote the Svarno, but the Sri Deish in the we mentioned this a number of years ago, I think five and a half, five years ago, so the first first year of the Shiurim, to answer the question of why Avram Avinu waited to do Brismila. Famous question all the Mepharshim asked. Every other mitzvah Avram did before he was commanded. Before he was commanded. By Brismila he waited till he was commanded. Why? Why do he wait? The most common answer given is that Avram Avinu knew the principle of Gadol HaMetzuvah Yosef. So by all mitzvahs, you can do it as a non-mitzvah and then do it later as a mitzvah. But you can only do once. So he wanted a way to do it as a mitzvah v'yosah. Okay. Says the Sri Deish, no, forget all the other answers. Source number 11. You know what the real answer is? Because a bris by definition is between two parties. If HaKadosh Baruch Hu didn't command him yet, then it's not a mitzvah. It makes no sense to do bris yet. Line 9. And he quotes, he says, other mitzvahs, he says, I don't think Avram did matzah and marar, because that was all a zecher to a certain mitzvah. Okay, you could argue on that, but he says at least bris, he says, Kodesh Baruch Hu had to command it. If Hashem wasn't there, and he didn't command it yet, then there's no reason for there to have Avram have done a bris. It wouldn't have been anything. It just would have been wounding himself. Same idea as the Svarno. HaKadosh Baruch Hu comes to every bris. Vayif kishayu Hashem. Those two words now. We can't, you can't go to another bris mila without, without thinking about the Svarno. Right? This, is, this has to be on our minds. <coughs> That's a detail. And again, I gave you the Perkei Derbalazar in source number 12 and 13 that deals with the other idea of why Elio and Avi comes as a punishment. But then there's a greater issue, a larger issue. And that is, as we've said, since the words Vayeda Elohim, we've been in cruise, not cruise control, but we've been in the beginning of the process of Gulas Mitzrayim. Hashem appears in the snap, Moshe, you got to do it, convinces him, convinces him, convinces him, okay, we're ready. Hashem says, Moshe goes back to Yisrael, he gets permission, he starts on his way. Hashem says, okay, go to, go to Paro, you tell him you let this nation out. Moshe's like, okay, I'm going. So we're ready. Okay, let's go. Let's go to Mitzrayim. And all of a sudden, we have these four psukim stuck in here with the Mila and Moshe almost dies. And, and then right after this, we go back. Hashem says to Aaron, go to meet your brother. As if these three psukim are like stuck in here in the middle of the Gula. What is, the, what is this doing here? It's as if something needs to be done or we need to internalize a certain message from these three psukim that, that are part of the gula. As Rav Rivlin and his Sefer on Shmos, what are these three psukim doing here? We're all excited. We're all psyched. We're getting ready for the gula. And then all of a sudden we're like, Moshe almost dies. He didn't do brismila. 
So Rav Rivlin's derech in source 14 and 15 is to explain the connection <coughs> and the uniqueness of Mila and Geula. Mila and Geula. Mila, says Rav Rivlin, two messages. Again, I'm not going to read the whole thing inside. Rav Rivlin says, the first idea, he says on line 17, is that Mila, many sources say, is to counteract, as we said before, the Ervas Haaretz. Mila is a mitzvah which tells a Jew that in all areas of one's life, we are different. And we control ourselves, specifically in the area of Tava. The Rambam says this in Mar Nebuchim, on line 21. Mila is about minimizing the physical pleasures that a Jew is involved in. The opposite of Mitzrayim. And what Mitzrayim celebrated. The message of Mila was right here before you go down to Mitzrayim because Mila symbolizes in a Jew the opposite of the Ervas Haaretz. On a larger scale, on a larger scale, Rav Rivlin says, Mila is not just about that, but it's about, in general, recognizing that a Jew is different. And a Jew has a different purpose in life. And he quotes the Sefer HaChinuch, which we've quoted in the past in Parshas Tazriya Mitzorah, line 33 on the bottom, 34, the Sefer HaChinuch says, Mishar she mitzvazu lefisha ratza Hashem yisparach likvoa ba'am asher higdali osnikra al shmo, Hashem wanted to be koveya in the nation, os kavua begufam, a permanent sign in their physical bodies, lahavdilam mishar ha'amim, to separate us, bitsuras gufam, kemoshe nibdalam mehem bitsuras nafsham, we're different physically, we're different on every level. What's about to start? Ge'ulas Mitzrayim. Am Yisrael becoming a nation different than any other nation in the world. And Or Lagayim. Mila, that's the mitzvah that could symbolize and give us that message. And that's why we need a focus on Mila before, before we go down to Mitzrayim. But finally, then we have a third shot. Rev. Rivlin quotes it, but I give it to you also in the original in source number 16. Rev. Hirsch. What are these psukim doing here? Says Rav Hirsch, a biting but such an insightful comment. Says Rav Hirsch, we've just had HaKadosh Baruch Hu bargaining with Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe, I want you. Moshe, I need you. Moshe, you're my man. You're going to help me bring the Geula. Says Rav Hirsch, we still have to know as human beings even with all the focus on Moshe Rabbeinu, and Hashem says, Moshe, you're the one, no human being is indispensable to Hashem if they're not fulfilling His commands and they're not being the proper ever that they need to be. God does line 11. God does not wish the death of any man and he whom God wishes to kill is dead. But taken this way, this word tells us the important fact that God's plans are dependent on no man. No man, not even a Moshe, is indispensable to God. It disposes of the erroneous idea into which we might have been led by the previous verses, by the insistence with which God pressed Moshe to undertake the mission. I need you, I need you, Moshe. Right after that, what do we have? Moshe almost was killed. For not fulfilling Brismila. The message being, and this is also somewhat Rev Hirsch alluding to anti other religions, which might believe in divinity of certain human beings and the dependence of God on certain human beings. Right by Moshe Rabbeinu. We have so much in this parsha that talks about the humanness of Moshe Rabbeinu. He was the greatest leader that we ever had. But what is emphasized in the beginning of the parsha? He came from parents. Moshe was born from a father and a mother. Without even mentioning their names. They were, just, they were human beings. And here too says Rav Hirsch. And if he wouldn't have been perfect, he wasn't perfect, but he wouldn't have been perfect in this area, HaKadosh Baruch Hu would have found another leader. We have to realize there's only one thing that's eternal in this universe, in this world, and that's HaKadosh Baruch Hu. As the Ramam writes in Hilchas Mezuzah, 
That's the only thing that is eternal, and that's the message that we get from these psukim. Even a Moshe Rabbeinu is not eternal, only our connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Let us all strengthen that connection and enjoy these parshios of Shmos and Geulas Mitzrayim. Okay, we'll stop here.